As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, it's Zach Jackson. This is Civilized Barking. The Browns are officially back to work. Still six days from returning to the field, uh, but how it works in today's NFL, four mandatory days off over the bye week for the players. That's a collectively bargained thing. So the Browns practiced one time last week, uh, and I almost said sent guys on their way. And they didn't do that this year because part of the COVID regulations is the players aren't allowed to leave town. So they still weren't in the facility. Uh, there was nothing formal. The coaches t- took a couple of cu- days off, easy for me to say. And uh, then on Monday, they gathered. So the major news came Sunday. Uh, that's not really major news, but anytime it's the quarterback, it's major news. So Baker Mayfield on the COVID reserve list, not because he has COVID, but because he tests or because a staff member uh, tested positive, and because Baker Mayfield was a close contact, he has to go on the COVID reserve list. So he has not tested positive, and if he continues to test every day, which he will, um, and does not test positive, on Wednesday he can return, so he will only have missed one practice from talking to a couple people. That is the expectation. that The Browns will have Baker Mayfield for a full work week, or at least close to a full work week, and have him Sunday. Let's catch up. Um on everything. The news of Monday was the expected, not activation, but designation. Nick Chubb designated for return from IR. Um, this Sunday will be six weeks exactly since he suffered the sprained MCL. Six weeks was always the initial timetable. Back at practice. And so barring, you know, no setbacks or anything crazy, uh, Nick Chubb will be back as your starting running back. He's an explosive, powerful player. He is one of the best football players, not just best running backs in the league, and the Browns need him. So, you know, will will uh, he have to wear a brace? Will he be 100% the rest of the year? Will he be 80%? I don't know. The guy's a super freak. I'm surprised he could even be hurt to start with. Uh, seems a little unrealistic to expect him to be full go and fully ready and, you know, 25, 28 carries if it comes to that. But um, this is new, Browns fans. You trust the guys in charge, right? You trust that that they took all the data and all the film observations and and had real adult meetings over the bye week. 
You trust that they will, you know, talk to Nick Chubb, talk to the trainers, make a plan for the long term, and do what's best. So I, I expect Nick Chubb to be back. I know Austin Hooper will be back. Uh, he probably will be limited later in the week. Those designations don't really matter. Miles Garrett will be in the starting lineup. Um, Austin Hooper, Wyatt Teller, as I mentioned, one before. So the Browns are going to have almost everybody back. I think even Jacob Phillips will be back. Um, so the, of the 53 guys, they should have them available. They clearly weren't healthy, and that's an excuse, but it's a valid one as it relates to the last disappointing performance before the bye week. And when you get Nick Chubb back, you get a chance with Wyatt Teller back. And, and I don't want to leave Wyatt Teller out here. It's just Nick Chubb is the big name. You get a chance to rev up your run game. And that's who this team is. That's who this offense is. When they're at their best, it's the run that sets up the fancy stuff that we know Stefanski likes, right? It helps the defense, which needs all the help it can get. It helps Baker Mayfield. It creates passing windows and lanes for him. And without Aldo Beckham Jr., um, it's going to need the play-action game. It's going to need to set up some some down-the-field chances. So um, certainly one game and basically a hurricane, um, you know, 40-plus mile-an-hour winds going sideways and swirling at times is not one not the way to judge fairly at all the passing game uh, from last time. So are you going to have to play in that weather down the stretch? Sure. Um, do we know they're going to miss Odell's playmaking to an extent? Sure. Do I think you guys who say the Browns are better without Odell are crazy? Yes, I know that you are. However, I will listen to the fact that, you know, the arguments that Baker and Odell never fully clicked, that Baker clearly trusts the Higgins and the Jokus of the world to, to be where they're going to be. Baker kind of said as much himself. And we'll see. So, you know, uh, obviously the goal is to make it so when you throw it down the field, it's a bonus. It's taking a shot. It's keeping people honest. You don't want to have to, you know, you, you're, you don't have a quarterback that can take five-step drops and make 18 to 20-yard throws down the field consistently. You don't have an offense built for that. You have an offense built to run the ball, to push people off. I mean, you don't need to go to the coach's film or know a lot about O-line play to know that Wyatt Teller's a damn fun football player and a good fit for this scheme, right? Um, so you get him back. You know, the other guys, Batonio and Teller, uh, Treader, excuse me, they never miss a down. You know, Jack Conklin's been in the league. He's a really solid player. And Jedrick Wills had a nightmare game of the last game. I think mental health days off, uh, physical rest, mental rest will be good for him. For, you know, further coaching, a chance to really sit down and watch himself. You know, what happens here, guys, is coaches are so driven by routine, and that's part of the reason this year is so maddening to them with the COVID stuff and the, and the different ways. But you get in an NFL season and you play and you give the players a day or two off, right? And you pull back on practices sometimes because you need them to get their body right and you need to have their legs to have any chance. You need to have your guys to have any chance. But you end up just so getting in your own routine and then by the time Wednesday when you gather, you're so focused on the next opponent and your next game plan and those specific things. So when you get to the bye week, Stefanski called them bonus practices. Uh, that's what it is. You work on yourself, you know. Uh, the Browns only went for about an hour and ten minutes, which is pretty standard. Um, but, you know, you, you work on specific things to you. You just go through the motions and focus on the fundamentals. You know, maybe a few tweaks, maybe a few new installations. But you're having a football practice. You're not drilling certain things in. And so 
Um, the players will still be fresh. They'll still be focused. And here's the reality before we get to some of the questions. Um, if the Browns go 5-3 and three again, if they're 10-6, and six, they're in the playoffs, right? So I don't care if they lose to Baltimore again by 50 among that or if they beat Baltimore and, and drop other games. 10-6 and six will get you there. Um, right now with the way Miami and the Raiders are playing, you know, 9-7 and seven is no guarantee. And we don't know how this is going to go. You got to have your guys. You got to win close games, uh, which the Browns have done at least once, right? Um, I don't know if Phil Rivers is going to hold up or if the Colts have any pop. You know, I, I don't know what's up with the Raiders. I I think the Raiders are a, a playoff quality team, and they have a win over the Chiefs on their resume. You know, I think if they played the Browns nine more times, it would probably be five and five or six and four. You know, I, I don't know that the Raiders are going to continue to win. So um, the Browns have winnable games. The Browns have room for organic growth in that everything is new. They still are a young team. You know, they should still be getting better offensively. They still should be getting more comfortable with everything. And if you trust in Stefanski, and I do, he hasn't been perfect. He's done a really good job. If you trust in the organization, you would say they will be getting better. You want to judge them by playing better in November and December than they did in October. And that part of it is exciting. Um, you know, I think a good way for me to sum it up is I am probably way more optimistic on the long-term future than, they are, than I am on the rest of this season. Part of that is just the defense is terrible. Part of it, I think we know the Browns aren't as good right now uh, as the real playoff quality teams, as the teams that are expecting to play deep into January and have realistic Super Bowl dreams. But that doesn't dampen the fact that the Browns get to play in significant games. That doesn't dampen the fact that the Browns have a real shot to break the longest playoff drought in 19 years in the NFL right now. And it doesn't dampen the thought that the Browns are pretty good in some areas, right? Um, they have some strengths. They have some warts. They have some good players. You know, they have some great players, too. They're down one in Beckham. They've been down one in Chubb. Um, the offensive line clearly hasn't been the same. You know, I think Austin Hooper is a borderline great player. He's a blocker and a pass catcher. Um, he's a hell of a football player. They haven't had him for the last two games. So, you know, get your guys back and and if put it this way. If we're right, if I'm right about Stefanski and if he's got him moving in the right direction and if he is going to have real honest assessments of his current roster, of his growth potential, then they'll win these next two games. They play at home against the Texans. They play at home against the Eagles. Both teams are having disappointing years for various reasons. Um, but the Browns can win these games and really catapult themselves into, you know, that seat where they want to be, where they're going to be, you know, know that they're playing for the playoffs and not having to worry about outside stuff. So I, at this point, you know, there's not a lot of a point to me and us diving into the scenarios where we're minimum four weeks from really scoreboard watching. If you want to, go ahead because it's been a long time. I'm not going to take that away from you. Um, but I just I want to see, you know, what they can do with this defense, personnel-wise, scheme-wise. You know, can Olivier Vernon continue to contribute? Is there anything in Port Augustine, right? Uh, does Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi just need to get their legs back? Can they get back? Can Jordan Elliott grow and, and make significant plays and be the kind of guy you trust in going forward? Um, who's going to make plays at linebacker outside of Malcolm Smith, who's been a part-time player? <clears throat> you know, I know Mac Wilson hasn't been healthy and Jacob Phillips hasn't been healthy, and the Browns are counting on both of those guys, and Phillips especially. 
he's still young. I, I don't ever know what the plan really was for him this year, but he's their biggest and fastest linebacker. They got like next to nothing in front of him. Sione Takitaki is not an NFL starter. He's just not. So it's time for Jacob Phillips to get in there and show. Well, we know Andrew Sandejo doesn't belong on the field anymore. Uh, Browns apparently have made a nice find in Ronnie Harrison. Can he continue to improve? You know, what else can you do there? And can Terrence Mitchell, who's playing for a contract, hold up? Because it doesn't appear that Greedy Williams is going to be coming back. Can Kevin Johnson hold up as more than just a part-time player? Good player, smart player, experienced player, the kind of player you need here. Um, he's on a one-year deal, too. So, you know, trying to play his way into the plans. And, and, and the back seven of the defense is not good enough. It's not deep enough. So, you know, what can you do? Um, are you getting those those younger guys on the practice squad ready just in case, right? Um, you know, can you do different things schematically or by playing Sheldrick Redwine or by putting Carl Joseph back in? Who, as it appears, he's lost his job to Ronnie Harrison. You know, I don't know. Um, but you need more out of the defense. And then uh, offensively, you know, uh, Baker's future and the uncertainty there looms over everything. And, and that doesn't have to be a negative. The Browns would love Baker to go out and prove that he's the guy and stamp this as his team and show that he's on the upward track in terms of helping them win this year, helping this offense kind of find itself as it's had to readjust on the fly while trying to find itself the first place, right, and really go. Um, so, you know, is it more Peoples-Jones? Have the last two staffs just missed on Rashard Higgins and he's, you know, really a good NFL player and, and can be? He's going to get every opportunity to make himself a lot of money <laughs> right here, that's for sure. Um, I think both Harrison Bryant and Najoku get better as Hooper comes back. You know, Hooper is the number one tight end on this team. Those other guys have had moments, and Njoku had their really bad moment last last game. Jarvis Landry did not have a great game either. He is usually sure-handed, Mr. Reliable in every regard, you know, playing through the broken ribs. So you would just think Jarvis getting a chance to rest his body, Jarvis being the most experienced guy in the receiving core, being one of the few guys that's played in these kind of games, right, before. I mean, Hooper played in the Super Bowl. But uh, among the receivers and the young tight ends, and really the young running backs um, as well. You know, Jarvis Landry, I think, has a couple of big, big games left in him. And I, I think the rapport that he has with Baker and, you know, Jarvis, we know what he is and where he does his dirty work, but he's long been out to show he's not just a slot receiver. He's got to catch that one where they go over the top in the corner of the end zone and the ball just you know, at the right, wrong millisecond, the wrong camera angle touches the ground as he corrals that in. Um, they're going to have to throw it down the field. Not all the time. Again, they can win with the run. They need to win with the run. They need to try to win with the run and let that set everything up. But all these games are going to bring different circumstances. And so, look, the good news is, if you're a Browns fan, we're not prepping for this game by going to the doomsday scenario of the 2017 draft. Is Of all the ones that were really bad, we're not talking about how that was the worst because you gave away to Sean Watson and you drafted Njoku a spot ahead of T.J. Watt, right? We're saying the Browns can win this game. I mean, Romeo Cornell coaches the other guys. <laughs> Browns can win this game and they can be 6-3. and three. We're saying Carson Wentz has really struggled. The Eagles have been a mess with injuries and other issues they haven't tackled, they haven't covered. I mean, the Browns can win that game, too. Then they go to Jacksonville, who's not trying to win. Like, you know, there's no such thing as a bad time for a bye week, and it's the stupidest cliche of them all to say a good time for a bye week. 
but it came at the exact midpoint of the season. It came as the Browns were really limping. Now they get healthy. Now they get refreshed mentally, game plan-wise. Work on your strengths. Put all that, the good and bad, and there were both, right, behind you and have a chance to go win some games, go on a run and play for the playoffs and learn from that going forward. I mean, listen, chasing the playoffs and when they get there, who they would play or whether they would be underdogs or would they have any chance. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in Pittsburgh game two, in Baltimore game two. I don't know what the bracket will look like. As a matter of fact, I think the owners are going to vote Tuesday on a contingency plan for the playoffs if games get shortened. And we know, you know, COVID has has hit the Browns. It's hit a lot of the teams around. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen there. But, like, these are just invaluable experiences for the team and invaluable opportunities for Andrew Barry, for Kevin Stefanski, for everyone to evaluate what they really have in terms of watching it in front of their own eyes each Sunday and, and one Monday, right? And what do those other teams have? And we know the lack of continuity has been a big reason in the Browns staying behind. You know, you earn that chance by winning, by going. And this has been the strangest season ever. Um, I give Barry and Stefanski A's. You know, even if you – you nitpick and you argue. I think they've handled the circumstances well. I think the Browns have been a pretty mature team. I think most Sundays they've been a pretty prepared team. And we'll see. So, um, you know, like I said, more fair amount of optimism, more for the future than in this team making a real run and, say, winning a playoff game. But just getting there is positive. It's progress. And just the whole process of getting there marks a stark turnaround and can be the start of building something. Because, you know, not that you dismiss those early games, right? And the Browns have beaten mostly nobody. That, that, that was, that's a fact. But the games you really remember, any year, any level, they're in November and December. And here we are, right? Um, I know that I think the Raiders game was technically November 1st, whatever. Um you want to forget that one. You want to move on. You hope your left tackle and your quarterback and your young tight ends and your non-existent back seven defense move on from there. And we'll see. I mean, we all know what's there, and we all know um, that five wins get them in, right? And we all know that if they are a playoff team, they beat the Houston Texans. They show up prepared and fresh, and they jump on them, and they win the game, right? We all know that if they are a playoff team, they playing in Jacksonville and against the Giants and the Jets, and I think the Giants are tons better than the Jets. But we all know those are games you should win because you need them, right? Because you're better and you have to do it. So um, we will see, again, how all of that goes. But I think right now for the last two months of this season and into the future, it's an exciting time to be following this team. It's an exciting time for this team. And there's always the great unknown every year on many fronts because the NFL is forever changing. And as we've seen, one good stretch or one good game doesn't mean, you know, much of anything. But I do think there are signs that they're building something. And I do think there's a chance that that they can turn this run, you know, into one where next year they're saying, okay, not only are we playing for the playoffs, but, like, when we get there, we're going to be a tough out. Right. Or or we have we have made enough progress to believe that we really, really belong there. So, 
you know, um, it's, it's going to be interesting. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, listen, Nick Chubb is the, uh, he's real. I, I don't know if he's the Browns' most important offensive player. I mean, he's the most gifted offensive player. Yeah. In today's game, it's hard to say it's not the quarterback on any level, but you know, he comes back, he provides you many different dimensions. The fact that he's leading the NFL in 20-plus yard runs and he hasn't played in a month just says just how good he is. You know, you mix the offensive line and the whole Kareem Hunt factor in, and you see that it's a strength, it's everything so far. And in just a four-game sample that we thought it could be. And in terms of Nick Chubb getting back and in terms of Nick Chubb driving this team to where they want to go or towards – where they want to go. Um, this is the, the asking Jackson questions on Twitter. And, and this is it. Like what is Nick Chubb's future? He's extension eligible. Do you want to pay a running back? What an analytically driven front office ever pay a running back? Um, you know, my stance on this, and here's the question from Gordo Cleveland. Are you officially backing up the Brinks truck for Brinks truck for Chubb? The guy made more money by not playing the last month. Same goes for Teller. Those are interesting points. I'm not necessarily sure they're 100% true in us just having a conversation here. and We're amongst friends. I'm alone at my kitchen table, right? Um, that's what we're having. Nick Chubb is a valuable piece. And, and listen, I, I've said all along, you probably pay the guy because he is no frills, no bullshit, only, only ball, no baggage, um, durable, reliable, explosive, built to play in these big games in Cleveland or in the upper Midwest, you know, in, in the bad weather. Um, hell, if you get in and you play in Kansas City, who's to say he can't run for 200 on them this year, right? You still might lose 70 to 50, but Nick Chubb could run for 280 yards and five touchdowns. <laughs> He's that good of a player. Um, the counter is, look around, Saquon Barkley, out for the year. Christian McCaffrey already got his money. Has missed half the year. Ezekiel Elliott got his money. Doesn't look like he could play anymore at all. It just, the long term says don't pay the running backs. That's what it says. Browns haven't been here, right? Um, paying Miles Garrett was a big deal for the Browns because Miles Garrett is a guy they want to be around and they think will change games and change the trajectory of the franchise for years to come. But they just haven't had picks to do this. They they haven't had salary cap as a worry because they haven't had enough good players. They haven't had anybody around long enough to see guys through. I mean, Jarvis is coming to the end of year three. By Brown standards, it's like he's been here since 2006, right? Like, that's just how it's been. I mean, the Joel Batonios and 
J.C. Treaders are special guys, and part of their scars are playing every snap when the team doesn't win a freaking game, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, look, I don't know what happens with Nick Chubb. I do know if you want to go cold as can be, because the NFL and the new CBA has basically eliminated the holdout as a weapon, right? Because the fines are no longer revocable. Um, so the Browns have Nick Chubb on a standard rookie contract for one more year and then could franchise him after that. Do I think that's what happens? No. Do I know what happens? No. Um, you know, I wrote a piece, and, and I'll, I'll make sure we, we start recirculating it because every conversation with Chubb coming back and playing it anywhere near the level that he's played at so far, 5.9 a carry. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Averaging 150 yards rushing a game, you know, for the season and averaging not even 100 in the four that he's out, right? Um, he's, he's really good. And like I said, you know, before you make these decisions – you, you look at the person, you look at the history, and you look around at what you need. And, and I think he can be that centerpiece back. But when they signed Kareem Hunt, let's make no mistake about it, that was their way of saying, we're kind of protected here. We have seen in the last four weeks that Kareem Hunt is not Nick Chubb. And that's not a diss at all on Kareem Hunt because he is a phenomenal running back. And kudos to him for getting his life in order to the point that the Browns believe that they can trust him. He plays his ass off every single Sunday. We've just seen, as my man Gordo points out, how good, how important Nick Chubb really is. This is a fascinating question. Um, there's one knock on Denzel Ward, right? You're not sure he can stay healthy. Well, over the last six weeks, he's stayed completely healthy. He's played awesome. You would think going into the offseason that you just don't let that linger that you knock that out and sign him. You would think you're going to have to use these other resources and they're good on cap space and they'll be better when Vernon comes off the books, right? When some other guys come off the books, you you, you got to fix that defense. But if you're going to do it with Nick Chubb, if you're going to make the commitment, you don't wait. To protect the team in the long run, to get the player's money, to know that you're going to get the best from that player, get get the distraction, and all the outside talk, and Nick Chubb is no inside talk. He's no anything except a football player. Um, you do that. I, I, I can't say that they're going to do it. Even as I say, sit here and say, I'm 85% sure I would do it if I was Andrew Barry and Paul DePodesta. There is that 15% that gives me pause. I don't know them well enough. And again, there's not any precedent here for this. The Panthers didn't wait with McCaffrey. Okay, they shouldn't have. Cowboys did wait with Zeke. They did their dance. He sat it out. You know, nothing's going right for the Cowboys, and they went instantly from having one of the best offensive lines in the league, from which Zeke benefited, obviously, to this year. They can't block anybody, and Zeke looks really bad, right? <laughs> and everything they've done is really bad. So is that the danger? I don't know. Who's more important going forward? Dak Prescott thousand times over than Ezekiel Elliott. So all these things being out there, this does, this is involved with the whole scope of everything because you hope like crazy that the Browns can compete and grow and win and push for this playoff berth, even get it and then reset and say, okay, 
we've either arrived or we're darn close to arriving. And now our goals have changed. Whereas for years, our goal was just to have a few competent football players, right? Just to, they were so embarrassing for so long. You've turned that talent curve. You've turned some wins in your favor. It looks like you're really building some things. And this offense with Wyatt Teller, who's also up, right? Can also, is also extension eligible. He's not up. He's under contract for one more year. You're already paying Joel. You're already paying JC. And you've made the huge commitment to the tackles. You drafted one at number 10 in the draft, and you gave Jack Conklin a huge amount of money. He's making $20 million this year. <laughs> um, you know, those are – your O-line is set. Your offensive identity is set even as you're not sure. It's probably going to be Baker. But it's not 100% going to be Baker the next two years. Um. You probably want to lock Nick Chubb up. I understand the risk. We'll see how it goes. That's for sure. Question from a guy who goes by Ricky Davis Triple Double, which is an interesting name. Um, anything Ricky Davis is interesting. Assuming we, I guess he works for the Browns, assuming we lose to Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Tennessee, with Miami and Las Vegas playing well, that's nine teams for seven spots. Do we need 10 wins to make the playoffs? It feels like it could be 2007 again, missing the playoffs on a tiebreaker. I mean, like I said, I'm not going to bust out the standings and the remaining schedules, not in week nine. Um, it's about to turn to week 10. But I feel like 10 wins gets you there. And, you know, so the standard would be the Browns beat the teams they're supposed to, lose to Tennessee, lose to Baltimore, lose to Pittsburgh. You know, those other teams have tougher schedules. Along, along the way. They, they just do. Um, I feel like 10 gets you there, and I'm going to stand by that. It's a heck of a question. It's something I'm willing to revisit in two or three weeks. Right now, it's just a lot of hypothetical, and the focus of the team should be, should match my answer, right? Which is just win, just play well, and if you win, it'll, it'll take care of itself. Question from Tom. If the Browns lose to the Texans, should realistic expectations be seven and nine? Um, Tom has seen this team play before. Uh, that's a little bit doom and gloomish. You know, it is a week to week world, right? And as I got to watch other teams play throughout the Sunday uh, slate, mostly just chose the the uh, the channel where they show six games at once. At first, right, watched a couple of the 4 o'clock games a little closer. Quite frankly, went to bed early during the Sunday night game. You know, you can learn something. But any team, like, it's still early. And, like, of course the Cowboys didn't have – or the Steelers didn't have their A game plan, the, what's left of the Cowboys, because they didn't need it, right? You know, the Ravens offense has some questions to answer. Um, you know, it's it's midseason. So they lost Ronnie Stanley, yes, but – you know, they're, they're getting Dobbins more involved, which is good. They brought Des Bryant off the practice squad as a way to tell their other receivers it's time to step up their game. You know, we know Marquise Brown has the talent. Um, have teams figured out uh, Lamar to an extent? Yeah. Can Lamar still beat him a couple different ways? Sure. You know, are they taking things away? Are they getting more pressure on him in the backfield and making him decide things before he's already, you know, out in the open? Yeah. So so we'll see. You know, that that's something to watch. I mean, Listen, the Browns play – Carson Wentz has not played well. I have watched several Eagles games. But Deshaun Watson's great. Carson Wentz is capable of being great. 
right? Tannehill's playing great for the Titans, who are shit still thinking about being a top two or three seed, right? Um, Lamar again, Ben again. Like, you're going to need to step up the defense. You know, I don't know who's going to be playing for the Jaguars. The Jaguars don't want to win. It's still a road game. Um, sometimes the young kids get in there and they're hungry as can be. So, you know, I'm not going to say what expectations are record-wise, Tom. It's a legit question. I would say this. My expectations are that the Browns show improvement, right, at least try to cover some of their warts. And I also expect that the running game will be good enough to support the pass game and support the defense. To what extent? I don't know. Again, I, I even Nick Chubb, who seems like he's not a human being, I'm not sure he can come back at 100%. But I know that Chubb, Teller, Hooper coming back, Kareem Hunt having time to rest, I know there's a chance that that running game gets super revved up again. Hell, I know that 80% of that running game is still pretty good and good enough to drive things and good enough to help those other things. So there was another question here from Nick who tweets uh, often, and I appreciate it, I really do. Small sample size aside, do the struggles in the run game during his absence change the front office plans for a potential Chubb extension? It's a great question. It's a valid question, and it's a really interesting one. Um, but, again, you know, to me, that's for the backside of December and into January. And, boy, as someone who's covered the Browns for a long time, I can't wait for a regular January where there's not a coaching search. And I hope, like hell, there's a playoff game on January 10th or, or 9th or whenever it would be. You know, um, in this current NFL landscape, a lot of things are uncertain, right? Um, and, and the Browns are facing some big-picture decisions that are going to shape a lot of this future. But they're mostly in a good way, right? And, like, win, lose, or draw, whatever your expectations are, Tom or Jordan or Gordon, Ricky Davis, whoever wrote in, like, these are positive things, you know, just three Decembers ago, right? Like they were playing in December to try to avoid infamy. Just two Decembers ago, Baker and Freddie Kitchens were flopping it out on the sideline and having too much fun. And they fooled John Dorsey into thinking um, that that would work and it got blown up again, right? So in that December, they were mathematically in the playoff race, but they had really not shown. I mean, Baker did have a couple stretches where he got super hot, but they played the Texans that December, got absolutely destroyed, right? Um, you know, the, the first half of the year had not gone well. Like even last year, shoot, mathematically into December going to that game, they were right there in terms of in the mix for the playoffs. Well, then they lost to Duck. So I just think this year, as long as you can win, as long as you can get that momentum, and then all that, as I mentioned, organic growth, getting your strength back, continuing to cultivate that identity, getting some young guys to step up. And Denzel Ward's still a young guy. Mac Wilson and Taki Taki are still young guys. Jordan Elliott, we need to see some plays out of you. He's a young guy. And then even deeper, deeper down into who gets called up from the practice squad for whatever reasons, injury reasons, COVID reasons, ineffectiveness. You know, are you ready? It's probably not the last injury on the O-line, quite frankly. So does Chris Hubbard have to play a third position? Does Kendall Lamb come in? You know, Contreras and Batonio, two great guys and important guys. Can they keep the streak going and keep being there? Batonio had a couple blocks last game that were awesome. You know, he's playing like he's 25 again. He's a perennial pro bowler. He's a great dude. Um, his body's not right. He's played a lot of NFL football. He's a large man that does things that large men, the men that large shouldn't do, right? He'll be there, though. He's going to be there. Jarvis Landry, he's going to be there. Nick Chubb's going to be there. 
are any of these guys 100%? Can it all work? I don't know. Uh, you know, I think we're in for memorable games decided in the fourth quarter. Are they decided on turnovers or missed kicks or made kicks or huge plays by Miles Garrett or Denzel Ward or by Jarvis Landry on a trick play? You know, I, I don't know. But buckle up. It's going to be fun. It, it is. So um, the coverage plan here with the athletic is the same. You know, um, by the time you listen to this, there'll be a, a Monday rundown of, of Austin Hooper getting back and talking about Wyatt Teller and Stefanski talking about getting Nick Chubb back and, and the Browns potentially having all their healthy guys back. Um, you know, we're going to keep diving into some interesting angles and keep you covered on the advanced stats and the matchups. And, um, you know, the Browns are favored by three. On Sunday, it's a high total. Those are the games the Texans play. Those are the kind of games the Browns play. We'll see. Um, you know, you hope there's not 45-mile-an-hour sideways wins. Maybe there will be. I don't think it's in the forecast, but this is Cleveland, and frankly, it'll be mid-November by the time Sunday rolls around. So it's really only going to get worse uh, on that front. And really, and Cody Parkey missed that last kick. The game was essentially over by then, but he's been great. You know, they made that change after week one, and, and he's been – Mr. Reliable. So they just need some guys on defense to be more reliable. They need to make those plays. Um, you know, if you force a turnover every week and immediately cash it in, you give yourself a chance to win. Flip side, can you realistically think Miles can keep forcing those? I don't know. Again, we'll see. But there's a level of optimism. There should be a level of excitement. Come along with us. Listen, share, read, sit back and enjoy the ride, right? Either way, there's at least going to be a little bit of fun. I promise. Talk to you next time on Civilized Bark.